0: Supergirl gets a costume, pilot production begins, and we check out the Man of Steel prequel comic. This This is is Supergirl Supergirl Radio. Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino.
1: And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're joined by our special guest, Andy B., from The Flash Podcast to discuss the Man of Steel prequel comic. Welcome, Andy.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Sure. Thanks for coming on. Hey. Anytime. But first,
3: The news.
0: Production on CBS's Supergirl pilot began on March 4th. So exciting. (laughs) Uh, Greg Berlanti tweeted out, Supergirl pilot production day one. So grateful and excited to have the
1: cast and crew and fellow writers and director we have. Here we go. In casting news, TVLine.com reported that Jeremy Jordan will be playing Winslow, or Wynn for short, shot, tech-savvy colleague of Kara's. CBS's official character description says that Wynn is a superstar IT whiz who works at CatCo. This is in addition to the previous character breakdown we got back in October that mentioned that Wynn would carry a torch for Kara.
0: And Kryptonsite.com received official confirmation that Farah Tahir will be playing a character known as the Commander in the Supergirl pilot. Uh, That character is described as an alien military expert, leading the forces aligned against Supergirl. Uh, K-Site TV says he's a guest star, but has the potential to recur in the series. And just yesterday, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Melina Weissman has been cast as a young Kara Zor-El. You might have seen, uh, the five of you who want to go see this movie, um, <laughs> might remember that Melina Weissman also played young April O'Neil uh, in the recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot film. Uh, so she's already starting to build a career playing younger versions of female geek protagonists.
1: Laura Benanti talked to HNGN.com about her character, Allura. According to her, quote, The thing they've been saying is that Alora and Kara's love permeates through time and space. Even though Alora is not there with her physically, she is guiding her. Alora's involvement in the series makes a little more sense now with the addition of a young Kara. So it looks like maybe we'll get some flashbacks. Yeah, definitely. I hope uh,
0: we get to see some of uh, Kara's upbringing on Krypton.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if it will be something like The Flash has with Barry and his father, where, you know, some of the heart of the show, well, and even on The Flash, there's, you know, the Barry and Joe relationship. But I think some of that parental love there, I think, will be kind of the heart of the show. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: And saving the biggest news for last, and the most fun news, (laughs) we got our first look at Melissa Benoist in her Supergirl costume. Uh, Designer Colleen Atwood said, in designing Supergirl, I wanted to embrace the past, but more importantly, thrust her into the street-style action hero of today. Um, I know that Andy's super excited about this costume. (laughs) Tell us what you think, Andy.
2: I was so thrilled to see what she had done I knew that atwood would do something really powerful and empowering with her costume but I didn't know it was gonna be that good like I, it went beyond my expectations and I've I've studied this costume and I looked at it for so many days now and I I can't find anything that I don't like with it I there's one thing though I had to comment is that I those boots and I hope they will start selling them in the fall like as props because it <laughs> looks so comfortable. And no, but I, I love it. I like that it's kind of like a little tribute to, not tribute, but a little bit hint to Man of Steel with the color scheme. I'm glad they went with the classic S and not the new two S. That kind of looks like a Z. And um, I like that it it looks like something that she either got from Krypton or someone on Earth made for her so I no, I like that they went with something a little bit classic but also very modern that because this is some you know this is not TV quality suit this is a movie quality suit in my opinion so I'm I'm very happy with the suit and I think Melissa she fills out the suit very nicely and she you know she was already beautiful without the suit you know you know just as a normal person but in you know, with the costume she looks like Supergirl and that smile man that's the smile of the century <laughs>
1: What about you, Teresa?
0: Somebody has a crush. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, hey, I have a crush on Melissa Benoist at this point as well. Um, But I love the costume as well. And it's funny you mentioned the boots because uh, I was kind of originally hoping for maybe not a skirt. Um, I don't know that I wanted pants or shorts or what, but I was kind of like, oh, a skirt can be tricky. But with the boots cut the way they are, um, they kind of come up higher in the front. Uh, so they cover a little more thigh. And the way the cape hangs down in the back, it kind of takes the focus off of the fact that there's, you know, this attractive young woman in a short skirt. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, she's still gorgeous, mm-hmm. but it's not like this cheesecake, short skirt, ready for action type look, you know? So it's, I really liked that about it.
1: Yeah, and I think the tights, whatever those are that she's wearing, I think helps with that as well. Because, I mean, she's going to be flying around in the sky and... She's wearing a skirt, so it's, it's kind of nice. that, and You can, you can tell that, that a woman designed this costume, in yeah. my You can tell. Like, a woman would think of, oh, what would I do if I was flying in the air and I was wearing a skirt? I would need to do something about that. So you definitely. can definitely tell that, uh, that Colleen designed this. Um, but, yeah, I, I like that as well, that uh, even though it's a skirt, it's, it's, she's kind of covered up. <coughs>
2: I have a question and do you guys think that this suit in the show do you think this is going to come from Krypton or do you think that perhaps maybe someone on earth I don't know maybe Jimmy or or Winslow or someone else may have done the costume for her because I'm I'm trying to figure because I noticed if you look at the um, the shirt you can see those either red or very pink Lines going from, you know, down her arms and chest and so on. So it kind of makes, makes me think that maybe it is from Earth. But what do you guys think? Do you think it, it's uh, Kryptonian? I
0: mean, we're going to be talking about the Man of Steel prequel comic. And I feel like it, it, it feels very Kryptonian to me. Whereas if, even if it's not, even if it didn't come with her from Krypton, I feel like if somebody did make it for her, they made it either using parts of of maybe a uniform that survived or modeled it after that because it, it does feel like a very kryptonian piece of clothing um yeah but i would say maybe she had the the shirt from somewhere and then maybe everything else got added
2: maybe what? like lewis and clark when when remember in the pilot when um the s comes from krypton but the rest of the suit uh martha made it from different pieces of clothes that she had left for clark and so on I, but i remember that she specifically said this s was in your ship right and right. Uh, and oh, i now i want to watch Lois and clark but uh, <laughs> yeah but, but maybe something like that maybe it's like a little of a combination that some parts are from from krypton like maybe the cape and the s but the rest of it is something that someone will make for her
1: right well i actually read and you can't really put a whole lot of stock into this because I, I read online about some of the auditions uh, that were going on. There was videos that got posted and then got deleted. Bad <laughs> uh, people, b- bad, bad people. But, but some okay. of the audition sides, and you can't take those at face value either because sides sometimes don't end up being what actually happens in the show. Like for example, Smallville season eight, I remember The Davis Bloom stuff, his character, he was originally supposed to be a bartender who hit on Lois, where in the the actual season eight of the show, he was a paramedic who actually had a relationship with Chloe. So it it did change. So you can't take him at, at full face value. But in those audition sides, apparently when shot, a.k.a. Toy Man, was going to be the one who makes Supergirl's costume. And so if that is true, I don't know if that'll be the case on the actual show. it, it would sort of explain the red stitching that is on the suit because it does it does appear to be somewhat home homemade, uh, but it I, I like your idea, Andy, that it might be a combination of both of them of a yeah. like kryptonian and a homemade suit.
2: And then I want when they're making the suit, I want them to put on holding up for a hero. And then she's trying out different outfits. <laughs> and then there's one hint when she puts on the headband, she's like, "I don't know, this feels so 80s, 90s." And then wink to the camera, and then you know, spins around. I don't know. Like I, man, I really miss Lois and Clark. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> but if it, it would be. If, I think it's it would be a fun dynamic. But you know what? We don't see this often in television anymore. That we don't see people coming up with their own suits. You know, Barry God. His costume from Cisco or Star Labs, Oliver, well, well, he took a hoodie with him from the island and then just bought some leather, which <laughs> you know isn't practical it's not that practical, easy to put on, but it's a comic show. Let's believe anything, but, but it's, it's not, we don't see often when a superhero put puts together his or her own suit.:
0: We need more crafty superheroes <laughs> like we we never see somebody who like is a superhero and they also knit. Or,
1: like, they're a superhero, but they also cosplay.
0: Like, (laughs) we need somebody like that if they're going to be making a costume.
1: I wonder if they'll have a conversation about, you know, my cousin is a superhero. Maybe I should make something that sort of looks like... Like, I wonder if they'll reference the fact that her suit might be branded according to the Superman
2: look. What I was thinking about was... um, Because she... You know, Kara is... Supposedly, she is still older than Clark, but she just looks younger. But from someone that is from Krypton, an advanced technological planet, wouldn't she at least know how to make clothes? You know, like you know, like uniforms and you know, battle armor and stuff like that. So it it would um. make more sense if she did her own costume.
0: I mean, we're pretty technologically advanced. We have iPods. I can barely sew a button. Mm. Right. <laughs> I feel like the more, the more technologically advanced you are, the less likely you are to make your own clothes. Like, that might It's like be you, true. you expect a machine to do it. Oh, yeah. um,
2: uh, that's, that's a good, that is a good point. Because,
0: <laughs> I mean, but. you know, I don't have an Etsy store. Um, <laughs> but, actually, I want to get to what some of our listeners had to say about the costume. We got some tweets from people out there in the Twitterverse. A listener by the name of Crystal Zorel uh, tweeted that she's, uh, I'm assuming it's a she, uh, very happy with it. A little homage to the 80s outfit with hints of Man of Steel with the darker colors. Go Space Chimp Go says, the costume is awesome and Melissa is fantastic in it. No worries about this show. It'll be amazing. Uh, I agree, by the way. Black Canary Fan says that they're very happy with this first look. Uh, the costume looks better than I expected. I'm sure Colleen Atwood is very happy to hear that. Um, and Alex underscore Chapman says, love the costume. Confident and determined is what I see. Melissa looks amazing. She does and look very confident. She does. It's great. Um, and that, that photo, that first photo was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Johnny C. Blaze on Twitter says, great way to bring homage to the recent Man of Steel costume and using the classic Supergirl suit. Looks cool.
1: Yeah, you can definitely tell that they looked at Helen Slater's suit from the movie because the belt, that like the gold yellowish belt that's on top of the skirt, that's almost exactly what Helen Slater's suit looks like. So they definitely use that as an homage to her suit. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: I, I like the fact that, and, you know, to all the fanboys out there, they're going to have cried her eyes up because of this, but I love the fact that she's not showing any skin because mm-hmm. we don't, we, we don't need a sexualization. I don't, I don't need it. Uh, you know, she's a beautiful woman.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, if you want to be practical about it, why would she, you know, for example, like her midriff, why would she leave that exposed? Like, to me, you would almost have to explain that. Instead of just covering it up, why why leave that one area open? I mean, it works in some of the comics and some of the animated stuff, but I don't know. Sometimes you have to explain some of that stuff to make yeah, it work. I think for a show that people are going to start to, because uh, really this is the first
0: time that uh, Supergirl is going to be coming into people's homes in like a mainstream way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a kids show. It's a it's you know a major network for the first time that people are going to be introduced to this character week by week like this, I like that the focus is on the character rather than on, you know, her body.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's more about looking powerful and looking super than it is about what she physically looks like, which makes me happy. Yeah. And on that note, I love that this costume that Melissa Benoist has looks nothing like that new 52 version with like the the red crotch area. Not a fan of that. Not <laughs> no f- red crotch area. Not a fan of that. I'm, I don't know who designed that costume. I tried to look it up and find it, but I'm like 98% sure it was a man because <laughs> I don't think a woman would have done that. But I, I was glad to. That was one of my big reliefs when I saw this. Uh, these pictures that came out because she did not have anything that even closely resembled that. I was like, oh, a skirt. That makes me happy.
2: Because it looked like an, and okay, I'm gonna try to describe it as family friendly as possible. But it looked like an arrow, on her. You know. Oh
1: yes, on on her. On lady, her lady parts. On her lady parts. That's <laughs> on that's, her lady on her lady parts. That's an acceptable uh, way to put that,
2: I think. Because <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, I was like, oh my god, women, everywhere was must be feeling so insulted about this right now. Because that was, I was, I was like, I don't wanna, I don't even wanna pick up the first issue when I first saw that cover. It was very it felt it felt like an insult to her and i'm like you know when they if they ever bring back supergirl the comic book after you know i think they will in september when the show begins but i I, yeah i think that they will definitely bring back her in a more revamped revamped version where she doesn't look as exposing i think they might actually try to match her as much as possible with with the show
1: Yeah, and I think they did, I'm not as familiar with the New 52 stuff, that's why I'm excited that we're going to actually be reading it, even though I'm not a fan of that particular costume. I think I read that they did, and listeners can correct me, but I think they did redesign The costume in the new 52 after that original 50 new 52 costume so like she was wearing like blue pants or something and i think a woman did design that (laughs) i was like yep that sounds about right that they would put pants on her now uh it's interesting to me that as with all art everybody's going to have a different take on what they think it should look like and her costume has not been just one particular thing which i think is really fascinating that it has kind of gone in different variations, people trying different things. But this is a very classic costume, It and it does, I like, as a Man of Steel fan, I like that it does pay homage to Henry Cavill's suit. And I, I just like that it it's simple, and it looks it looks strong. Yeah.
0: yeah
2: and, and, oh,
1: go
0: ahead. Oh, go on.
2: No, ladies first.
0: Um, <laughs> when I, uh, no, I was thinking about Henry Cavill's costume and how, uh, I remember when we first got the images of that, there were a lot of people who were, you know, totally up in arms about it. It looks so dark and depressing and blah, blah, blah. Um. Where are the red underpants? Right. Where are the, you know, where's the, you know, bright blue and the blah, blah, blah. And it made me realize that, that you you know, Superman's costume hasn't really changed much in his right. history, but it's interesting that Supergirl's has, like she's had several, Different, completely different incarnations of her costume, uh, as well. So she's kind of more interesting and has more fashion sense than her cousin. <laughs>
2: Girls mature faster than boys, boy. so maybe <laughs> may, maybe Superman just has uh, a fashion problem. Uh, because you're right, all they've done with his costume is that they've changed it either from with red underpants or without red underpants, or from tights to armor. But with Supergirl, I think we've seen at least seven different incarnations where she's been. Armor, battle armor, um, tights, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, I didn't think about it when you until you pointed it out.
0: Yeah, and actually, uh, Rebecca, did you want to? Because uh, we got this email from uh, from Michael. Did
1: you want to? Yes, I would like to read that. Yeah, we yeah. have a, we have an email from Michael of Quiver the Green Arrow podcast who wrote in to give us some thoughts on the costume. He says, "As a lifelong Superman fan, I'm glad to see that she's sporting a proper S shield." as opposed to the god-awful ones that both Supergirl and (coughs) Superman display in their current comic book iterations. The suit overall is very bold and has some great details, like the red stitching and the gold trim around the logo itself. And I love that they didn't go the overtly sexual route, instead keeping her looking more powerful, bold, and iconic. It could be a bit brighter, but we've yet to see it in the context of the show so it could end up being a bit more exciting on screen than in the promo shot that has That's certainly th- yeah that has certainly been the case for the flash all in all it's a great costume and i can't wait to see it in action so thanks for writing in with your thoughts michael yes and michael is actually now part of our uh, we're all part of the family <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. right Andy? Yeah.
2: Yes, we recently uh, – well, last Friday when everything was announced, like like no one wanted to keep their secrets in. Everything got announced. So an hour before the Supergirl costume was revealed, uh, we announced um, DC TV podcast with an S at the end, plural, dot com, which is kind of like a little family of superhero podcasts. It's uh, featuring yours truly, Supergirl Radio and The Flash podcast that I host and uh, Quiver the Green Arrow podcast that Michael and his wonderful co-host Amanda Conkin host as well as the lovely people over at Letters of Gotham Bill Meeks and Anne-Marie D. Simone and uh, so yeah we're kind of like a little family and promoting uh, each other helping each other out as um, a little bit of just League of podcasting if you will so <laughs> head over, you can you can head over to that website we're also on Facebook and Twitter at DCTV podcast once again with an S at the end and uh, where we will you know we have a mega feed now so if you want to have all your podcasts from you know from Quiver, Gotham, Flash podcast, and Superco radio, all in the same feed. Head over to our mega feed on iTunes where you can have all the episodes in one subscription, and it will still help out all the podcasts. So uh, yeah, we're so excited about that and uh, <laughs> that it came out the same day as the costume. So yeah, yeah, it was a pr- it was <laughs> a, a big day for us. Yeah, totally. I like what and, uh, my, I like I always want to say uh, respond to Michael quickly, and uh, I like he was talking about um the the insignia with the uh, with the yellow lines i 've seen a lot of people that have a little bit of an issue with that, and i I thought people would be happy to see the classic Superman s again and just but you know does it really matter if the yellow is on the lines instead of the inside
1: i don't personally have a problem with it. I think it looks good I think the the s looks really. Uh, like he mentioned, it looks really bold. I think that's a good way to put that, is it looks bold. Yeah, I I don't really have any problem with the color scheme at all, so I'm not really picky on that.
2: Do you think there will be an S on her, on the back of the cape?
1: Ah, that's a good question. It, but, and, well, that depends if it's homemade or if it's from Krypton. I think... Uh, would, would somebody, if they were making it homemade, would they put the extra effort into doing the cape as well as the front part of her suit? Uh, depends on if that person wants to put in the work. She'll have, <laughs> she'll have an S on her cape. I think it would look cool. Um, I personally, I don't want to say that I prefer it if it didn't have an S on the cape. Because I, I, don't, I don't care either way. I think it looks good either way. But I think... Hmm, we should take like bets or votes. Like Mm -hmm.
0: what do you know, (laughs) what do our listeners think, uh, will be on the back of her Cape. Is it just straight up red or are we going to see an S on there?
1: I I think Um, my vote is just red Cape. I think that's what I'm going to go with.
0: I think I'm going to go with that too. Just the vibe of the whole, uh, costume seems to be simplicity. So I feel like another S back there would kind of be one, the one thing too much.
1: Right. (laughs) Um, but hey, if, yeah, if she's got an S on the on the cape, people will know who she is, you know, coming and going. So <laughs> that will help people yeah, I, identify her.
2: Yeah, I will. I will echo what uh, what Rebecca and Teresa said by saying that I don't think there will be an S on the back. But if if there is one, I won't mind it because um, it's it's been such a long time since we had an S on the back. It's it,
0: true.
2: In the comic books right now, then the S is now completely black on Superman's cape, and yeah, it's kind of boring, but. Oh, hey, you know, the costume looks great either way. And once again, if anyone from Warner Bros. or CBS is listening, please send me a pair of those boots.
1: (laughs) Now that we've covered the news and talked about the costume, let's get into our discussion about the Man of Steel prequel comic. This comic recounts what happens to the Kryptonian scout ship Clark Kent discovers in Canada from the movie Man of Steel, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, Me too. So I'm not I'm not going to be real biased about it, but it is one of my favorites. Um, I'm sending you high fives right now. <laughs> Air high fives. This story was written by David S. Goyer, Jeff Johns, and Zack Snyder. Sterling Gates did the script, and it has art by Jerry Ordway.
0: And I just want to, because uh, so both of you have seen it and love it. I have not seen Man of Steel. Um, so this prequel comic is actually my first introduction to that world. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we you know see Kara on this Kryptonian scout ship. What do both of you think about Kara in the story overall? Let's start with our guest, Andy.
2: Uh, one of the things I loved when I read this comic for the first time was that uh, and I've, of course, because of the timeline, I understand why it came up this way, but I love seeing Kara as, a very independent character. It was nice to see a character that wasn't yet only known as Superman's cousin and you know that's one of the things I do hope they succeed with the show is, you know, make her stand on her own. So when I was reading this, I loved the fact that we were able to see her life before her craziness began when she had to leave her home and leave her family and had to go to Earth and become a cousin for her baby cousin and so on. So I love that it was a very independent interpretation of Supergirl and, I mean, both Kara in this case, where she, we kind of get to see what her life was like on Krypton and get an idea what she used to do before she had these other responsibilities. And it was a very it, it, it felt like something you could see in the films down the line um, with this version of Kara and, and because I don't want to spoil you on the movie Teresa because it is a very good movie. I think you should really watch it when you whenever you can. I do think that this version of Kara feels so it's very independent. I like that. And it's I'm gonna go back to that a lot by saying because you see her lead people and see her live a different life that we don't get to see a lot in previous supergirl in- interpretations.
0: Yeah, I mean I actually I would love to see this version of Supergirl in a film. The I agree with you totally that this version of Kara is is so great because she has agency. She has um you know, she's a strong person but yet she also has a love story. Like, it's not, she's not just the, you know, I'm a stoic woman being strong and powerful. But she's also not, like, wussy naive. Oh, my God. What do I do? All these things like kisses and and, and bras that confuse me. Um, so <laughs> she's, like, she knows what she's doing. She's competent. But she also has emotion. And I like that she's really nuanced uh, in this version.
1: Yeah and I would I would echo what what you said Andy about how like it's nice that she has her own story that's not even it doesn't have anything to do with Superman and and it has to do with Krypton but it's it's fun to see what her life was like there and what it expands on the council that you see on man in, in man of steel. And you get to see her parents and what her relationship with them was like and the relationship with her teammates and, and with Kel her, her love interest in this story, which is kind of tragic, but yeah, I like that too. And I also really, one of my biggest takeaways and thoughts about Kara in this story is that she's a, she's a leader and she doesn't just lead people with power and control. she, leads by example you see her actually in the front doing some of the work she's the one that has the little gps tracker thing who's like leading them through some kind of jungle you know she's she's doing the work and and she's delegating stuff to other people but she's she's being a leader by example and i i really thought that was great because that's what can make her be a hero in the future when she gets to earth and puts on the suit yeah.
0: what It's funny. One thing that I just thought of uh, when you were talking about her, um, the the love story between her and Kel uh, is, you know, first of all, we have a black Kryptonian. That's oh. amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not just all, you know, Aryans on Krypton. Right. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's interesting, too, when we consider the TV show, because um, they cast a black Jimmy Olsen, as we know, mm-hmm. uh, McCod Brooks, and uh, – I wonder if there's going to be any kind of a callback to that. Like, maybe, you know, he reminds her of Kel. Um, You know, if, if if we're talking about this comic as part of a greater picture that they're building for this character.
1: Well, and that depends on if, and we don't know really very much on if this will be in connection to the cinematic universe or if it will be connected to the Arrow Flash universe no but i don't, I don't know that we have any real confirmation on that no I, well, and they seem to be like doing a lot to to point it
0: in both directions like they you know obviously the there's plenty of things pointing to the
2: Flaroverse, uh but there's also oh i, I love know, you I used use that name by the way I thank did. you so much <laughs> you're the first one who's finally said flareverse everyone's like no you shouldn't use flareverse Andy. i'm like I don't want to say Airblade universe Airblade. I like Flareover, so thank you. <laughs> Someone finally said it.
0: <laughs> um, no and and you know there's plenty of things that point to Supergirl going that way but also with the with the design of the costume and it is very Man of Steel. I kind of feel like that's not an accident because you know Colleen Atwood knows what she's doing. She's not going to design something that looks very much like Man of Steel. Uh, unless there, it might have something to do with it in the future. But who knows? Yeah. Well, there's
2: prices. They could, you know, because, uh, uh, sorry, to I just wanted okay. to point out I do think that it's very possible for Flash and Arrow to be connected to Supergirl at some point. But uh, as of right now, in all, any TV show uh, from DC, according to Jeff Johnson, one of others, it's not going to be connected to the film universe, which I think sadly is very upsetting, especially now that we have, you know, we have someone like Grant Gustin as Barry Allen and we have. Melissa Noise who's going to be fantastic as Supergirl and who knows maybe one day Oliver Queen will become a likable character again uh, if he doesn't <laughs> you know if he just starts behaving properly but I no, but you, you as of right now they're not connected but you know I like that this comic can also give you an idea of what maybe Kara's life was like it's not gonna be exactly like that but you know maybe an idea of what did Kara do before she came to, to Earth and you know, was living in her cousin's shadows until stepping out of them and becoming a superhero of her own.
1: In regards to the cinematic universe, I'm sort of hoping that CBS's Supergirl isn't connected to it, because my theory is that they will get to Supergirl eventually with the the Superman, like Henry Cavill's Superman, because there is supposed to be a superman standalone movie that's kind of thrown in the mix of all the justice league stuff and the wonder woman movie and all that kind of stuff that whole uh that whole lineup there is supposed to be like a superman standalone and a batman standalone movie that that supposedly will be coming and so i'm hoping that another superman movie will introduce supergirl i don't think it's an accident that they would have dropped that because for teresa you haven't seen man of steel well in in one of the scenes when clark discovers the scout ship he kind of walks around the ship and the ship he's in is Kara's scout ship. So he sees those little chambers that they were in while they were asleep, if you will. And, uh, he sees the dead bodies and one of the pods is open. So you see that someone has gotten off the ship and we see that in the comic that there is a mysterious figure that has left the ship. So I don't think it's an accident that they show that in the movie. I, I have a feeling that they will follow up with that, so I'm hoping that we'll see a Supergirl in the cinematic universe. But not necessarily tied to the show, is what you're saying.
0: Right. Um, actually, I had a question for both of you, since you have seen the uh, have seen Man of Steel. Because one of my, my questions reading this prequel comic, so we have, you know, Kara and her, her peers kind of doing a test to make sure that they're ready for this scouting mission. And so, you know, they pass, fail, whatever. But uh, I was just confused, like, are they in the military or are all Kryptonian youths expected to just leave home and never come back? (laughs) (laughs) What's what's their deal and why why
1: these kids and and why this particular mission? That's a really good question. Um, In the Man of Steel universe, the Kryptonian race, I guess you would say, is divided up into different, like the 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 babies all are born with a certain trait to them, like the one kid might be a scientist, one kid might be bred to be a warrior, one kid might be born to be a leader, something like that so they're all they're all kind of not programmed but they all have been bred to be a certain kind of person right so Kara might be one of those kids uh, the that she comes from the Genesis Chamber, where they're all kind of created. The the the, the babies on Krypton are not necessarily uh, created the natural way, um, except for Superman. He is kind of unique to his Kryptonian brethren in that regard. But Kara may be one of those who was bred to be part of this. Maybe maybe it is military driven, where she is uh, bred to be in this organization that goes and sends the ships out to uh, find another location to terraform, so that because they they know something's wrong with Krypton, they just uh, can't find a, a fix on the planet, so they send all these scout ships out to try to to create a new Krypton. Yeah. If that answers, I know there's a long-winded answer to no, your question. No, no, that. that-
0: That's totally because I I wouldn't have known that otherwise because, I mean, obviously there's different kind of takes on Superman and on Krypton and stuff. So I wasn't sure what this was kind of adhering to. Um, But it's funny because like that whole mission of Kara's in this prequel comic kind of made me think of that that Mars uh, contest that's happening right now where people are competing or, you know, uh, auditioning. I don't know what you'd call auditioning in the science world, but they're trying to apply to be – The first people to colonize Mars, Mm. Um, and and I mean, basically, it's a one way trip. Like the the I think it's fifty people or something that will end up being chosen at the end of all of this, and hundreds of people applied. um, You know, are basically signing up for a one way trip to Mars, and you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know, you know, what what the deal is going to be when you get there. Like they're going to be sending supplies ahead of us. And maybe they'll land, who knows? And then they'll send the people. And so the people will land, who knows? And so it it was very kind of reminiscent of that. And it's creepy to think that, you know, well, not creepy, but uh, we're kind of doing that right now. We're, We're being very Kryptonian at the moment and trying to get to Mars.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really cool parallel because I think for me that emphasizes how brave and adventurous Kara is, that she's willing to go off And leave her parents, leave her home. And her parents even say, you know, there's a little scene in the comic where they're like, we may never see her again. You know, we're going to have to deal with that. But they, they love that she represents the hope that she offers by going and trying to find a solution for their problem. So I think that's really interesting that, yeah, like that is kind of a real world scenario that is happening right now. And that's the thing, too. It's not just that she's adventurous,
0: but that her parents are happy about it. Like, uh, you know, Krypton seems to have, you know, fostered this appreciation for science and, and, you know, knowledge and and all of that. Like, they're not scared for her. I mean, they're going to miss her, but they are thrilled that she's going, which I think says a lot about Krypton.
1: Yeah, they were proud of her.
0: Now, actually, I want to get to the other side of this prequel comic coin Uh, we've got the villain of the piece a charming kryptonian gentleman by the name of dev m who starts out as one of Kara's peers uh testing to to be a part of this mission and then he gets super competitive i can't stop saying it um (laughs) it's not
2: easy (laughs) (laughs) it's like for me when i do flash and i say something goes really fast or you know the pace is getting quicker and stuff. It's it's not easy when you do shows like these.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he starts out as, you know, one of her peers. And then because he gets competitive, he ends up causing the death of the love of her life. And then ends up on the scout ship with her <laughs> in a horrifying turn of events. Right. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so what do we think about this villain?
2: I... <sighs> I didn't feel we get to spend a lot of time with him he was he, he did come out as very one-dimensional and a little, you know at the end of it he because he was trying to force himself onto Kara as a lover and whatnot I felt he was very well he was very typical as a male villain Sadly, so I wasn't too impressed with him. I, all I wanted to see was Kara kicking his butt, so <laughs> yeah. which, and, which, which she, you know
0: happened yeah she definitely <laughs> which, which, does
2: which it. happened yeah. which happened but um yeah, but it was good to see at least some form of obstacle and kind of I think the big thing that I took away from his character was that when 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 she was in the um, the the chamber um sleeping, and while she was under it all she and kill all of them. So, I think that was the biggest thing that he even though like he could have killed her because you know, once again, you know, they didn't have any powers here because Red Sun. So, I think that it was that was the biggest thing for me that he was so psychotic. But in the end, I didn't care too much for him, and I do know that some people actually think that he was the one that got out of the ship at the end of the comic, but I don't think they would dare to kill Supergirl off in the cinematic universe if they want to ever use her so I um, I I think he's dead and I I'm glad he's dead so um, I wish I had more <laughs> to say about him but it was I you know I was rooting for the hero of course so I did you know I maybe that's why I didn't invest too much in this character but yeah I I'm I'm glad that he got his butt kicked a lot
1: <laughs> yeah it is sort of open ended on whether or not he got off the ship because like Kara does stab him with the sunstone so she does I mean. We don't know if he's dead or not. We don't right. know what the sunstone would do to him, but it, was that it, a good k- kryptonite? Do you think it could have been some kind of like red kryptonite, which, depending on what story you're reading, has a, a, a different kind of effect on, on Kryptonians. *Snyder's <laughs>
2: Metropolis*, else- Rob Banks, like swallow. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, it's just very stabby. Yes, it, um, it probably hurts a lot. <laughs> it just hurts when you stab it into people. Although, um, although I don't know if he would feel pain once they crashed onto Earth. I don't know how that works.
0: Yeah, well, it's funny because I, you know, I I kind of agree with Andy in that he just seemed very one note most of the time. But there uh, there were a couple of things that I thought were interesting about him. First, that he seemed to be kind of the the aberration. You know, he was the the kind of flawed, faulty one. Like, if they're, if they're genetically creating kids, he's the one that didn't work right. Like,
1: <laughs> all the other...
0: You know, like, he's like the sociopath. And and so Krypton seems to be a society where they prize fairness. They prize um, life. They prize, you know, uh, all of that stuff. And healthy competition. And so he kind of took a wrong turn at Albuquerque and went all crazy. So I thought that was interesting that they, they bothered to even show us, like... Because there's always... Whenever you're talking about like a perfect society or, or a utopia or whatever, there's always the one person who doesn't like perfection, you know, who has mm. to screw it up for everybody. And so he seemed to be that guy. But also with the, what Andy brought up about uh, how toward the end of their time together on the ship, he starts kind of approaching her as a mate. Um, and he seems to have gone through other women. Like he, he took another you know, member of the crew out of her containment first. And But he says that didn't work out, so I was hoping that you would be better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it, it's interesting that they focused on the loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, that for all his wanting to be competitive, for all of his wanting, you know, power and wanting to escape, even somebody like that is lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. obviously he's he's approaching it in a really screwed up way, but you know he basically brought these people out to die just so he'd have somebody to talk to right and <laughs> that's kind of sad in a screwed up way
1: yeah i actually really love devim as a villain i agree that he is sort of one note and we don't get to spend a whole lot of time with him as a character but for me i love villains who are unashamed at being bad like i'm i'm yeah. kind of i'm kind of over this trend that is happening where villains are just you know, real people with, you know, sob stories, they really just want to do good and just something happens and makes them evil. I'm 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 over that. I want to <Soskin>. vi- I'm, I'm, I'm. 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 all about villains who embrace their villainy, and this this guy this guy definitely does. He is the first murderer on Krypton in a thousand years, so they've they've got, they've had a really good record of not murdering people until he comes along.
2: Yeah, lawyers must be must be having a tough time at Krypton. <laughs> like Laurel, if she Laurel Lance was a lawyer of Krypton, she probably wouldn't have any cases. Yeah,
1: she she would be homeless. <laughs> um. <laughs> Dev M. has a scar across his face, which is yeah. a big sign of a villain. All all really good villains have scars.
2: Didn't and- Zod have a, a scar like that? Like when remember in Trio, uh-huh. s- s- you can cover your ears, ears if you want to. But oh, I that don't scene not care. <laughs> the, in the, the scene when he's in front of the council. so I remember that Zod had a similar scar somewhere like that. I think I don't know if it was Jor El that cut his face, but I remember that it was something. Incredibly similar.
1: Yeah, he definitely has a scar and I think he does get it in his fight with Jarrell. So yeah Zod has a great villainous scar too. So he's Dev M is in good company. I liked that his motivation was just to make a name for himself So clearly he is very selfish. He does not he's kind of the opposite of Kara in a way Like Kara really cared about her teammates and cared about her her home and her family and this guy Dev M didn't care about anybody but himself I think that's good for a villain. I I even really loved the creepy use of he took uh, the character Kex's hand. Well, he took the character Kex to open doors and stuff. Yeah, (laughs) and he used his hand to access stuff around the ship. And he sort of has the hand like attached to his suit at all times when he needs to get somewhere. And it's so creepy because if you look at the panels, (laughs) there's just a hand hanging. He just chopped someone's hand off, carried around, no big deal. But that is a good villainous thing for him to do. And I, I kind of love that. So now uh, to
0: start wrapping up the uh, the discussion, I, I want to ask each of you kind of what the biggest takeaway that you got from this uh, prequel comic about the character of Supergirl or Kara.
2: Well, I like I mentioned in the beginning, I'm going to go back to this point again, is that independency that this character because I. I do want to see Kara and, and Supergirl be able to be her, their own character. I think that this is the character that has so much potential to be her own thing. So that I love. that's what I will always love about this comic is that, that we saw a Kara that can definitely work as her own comic series or TV show or even a film depending on what they do with her and I felt this was a good example of what you could do with a character like that without having to be well she's Superman's cousin well she's Superman's baby cousin she was well she's Lena Danvers and yada 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 I like that she was her own character and that she could st- well maybe not stab, but fly on her own feet <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that's what I really loved about this comic so that I, Whenever I get an opportunity, when I borrow this comic from my friend, I love just seeing a soul adventure of Supergirl. Um, So that's what I always take away from uh, the Manusville prequel comic.
1: I really love that she is a hero with or without a cape. Like, we don't see her with a cape on at all in this comic. We do see her dream of flying. And I, I sort of liked that she had this guilt about not being able to save Kel and yeah. so when she dreams she it's a great panel where she swoops in in the dream and she catches him and, and flies up and I, I liked that you see her having those heroic aspirations and that she wants to save people that she wants to do as much as she can for people in need and so I like the idea that even though she doesn't have a cape in the story she's able to display those heroic tendencies and, and and wanting to be there for other people. So that's kind of what I took away from it was that it doesn't matter if she's on Earth saving the day in tights and a cape. She is going to display those qualities no matter what. And for me, it's it's uh, this character, especially in this
0: uh, version, it really hit home to me that Supergirl is about hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's n- not just hope for Krypton, but hope for people like she she's someone who who will always kind of try to see the best in people like even when she you know starts you know kicking the crap out of uh, dev M uh, before she does that she says "I don't want to fight you mm. um, you know she's somebody who who wants to give people every opportunity who wants to be helpful and and wants to see the best in people and You know, it's just a very hopeful attitude that she she just believes that that we all have the potential to to do great things and to change, um, which I think is really inspiring about her.
2: Truth and justice and uh, in the Kryptonian way.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) in the Kryptonian way. Exactly. Um, So just real quick, favorite part of the comic. Like if you're going to recommend this to somebody, you have to read this because of this one thing. What would it be?
1: Well, as a Man of Steel fan, it's a great addition. It's a great supplement to Man of Steel, the movie. I, I think you get to see a lot of the stuff that's in the movie, the way Krypton looks, the council. Uh, the it It feels like it is part of that world that universe and so i think if you're a man of steel fan i think it's a great addition to the movie watching experience um but particularly my favorite part is uh is that panel where she's dreaming and she swoops in to save Kel. that that's like my I, when i get to that part in the comic it just it makes me happy to see her and even though it's a dream it, it's kind of cool to see that that's she will be doing that in the future at some point in the road on earth to to swoop in and save people like that, so that that's my favorite panel.
2: I love that last little panel before you get a little feature of the present. I like that last shot of that person stepping out of the ship. We don't know who it is. I do think it's Carol, but you know, it's the mystery mm-hmm. and whether or not they will ever go back to that. Because well, right now we don't even know if we will ever see. Because how many. Well, didn't they say that this comic took place twenty thousand years before the events of Man of Steel?
1: Yeah, it's. I think uh, the scout ship was underneath the ice, like eighteen thousand, twenty thousand years.
2: So Supergirl is gonna if the, if Supergirl is in this universe, then she's gonna be old but looking beautiful. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there always seems to be that element to her. Like no matter what, she's always older than Clark, <laughs> but she is always looking young, um, and they always manage to preserve her youthful beauty. I, I kind of, you know, secretly deep down hope for one day for Supergirl to grow into Superwoman and then Super Old Lady, um, and we get to see her still still being as amazing as ever, but, you know, with a curly white coif on her head and flying around with her glasses hanging around her neck.
1: I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we've gotten old Superman stories before, like Kingdom Come, where Superman has, you know, the gray hairs. Yeah. So I mean, I obviously she wouldn't Con. need
0: glasses because she's Kryptonian. Her eyes are perfect, but whatever. <laughs>
1: um.
2: But just a disguise or something just to hide, you know, but even though, well, there's the whole debate. Well, can, does it really hide their faces when they're trying to go undercover or does it?
1: Depends on the person, I guess. All right. Well, that
0: wraps up our Man of Steel prequel comic discussion. If uh, you guys can get your hands on it, you know, you should definitely check it out. Um, I will have to go and check out Man of Steel, uh, apparently.
1: definitely.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't know, because I, you know, I didn't see it because I heard very mixed things. Uh, but uh, now that you're such a huge fan, I have to now reevaluate don't that. Don't listen like, to the
1: haters.
2: Haters gonna hate.
1: Haters gonna hate.
2: Oh, we said it it at the same time. Oh, Oh my God. No, but it's it's a very great movie. And I will say this, that if you love what they did with Krypton in this prequel comic, then you're gonna love what they did in the film.
1: Yeah, the Krypton
0: stuff is really cool. That's awesome. And I I would want to check it out, if only for that. Um, Well, now let's actually get into some listener feedback because we've gotten a bunch of that.
1: Yeah, so Timothy uh, sent us an email and asked us, Superman has Lex Luthor and Batman has the Joker for arch-nemeses or arch-enemies. Who would be Supergirl's arch-nemesis? That one villain that constantly gives her a run for her money. So, Andy, do you want to take a a stab at that? Do you want to take a guess on who Supergirl's arch-nemesis is?
2: And are we talking specifically from the TV show or from the comic? Oh, I as think a whole? just
1: in. I think Timothy's just asking like in general.
2: In general, okay. Well, like who
1: would you consider
0: to be her arch nemesis,
1: her biggest bad?
2: That's that is a good question because from the stories that I read, they they share the same villains in a way. But so I don't. I can't really think of a main enemy. I maybe I don't know. I. I I have. I don't know at this point. I do, I do think that she, like I said, they, she shares a lot of his villains. So I don't know if she has a big bad. Uh, maybe that's something they will eventually get to in the comic books when they eventually, like, when they cancel this ongoing series and then bring her back at some point. Maybe they will focus on trying to get her a big bad. Um, I like the idea. Well, in the well, in the show we she's she's sort of going to have her own leg with Alex mm-hmm. if you know what i mean okay that was horrible <laughs> but uh, no but i do i do think that they should try to like find someone that they could make her like the nemesis and it would probably be ha- it would have to be a human i think because i think a human could have more control um, uh, over her situation and, you know as a, someone that represents earth rather than if she had Let's say, let's say Silver Banshee was her enemy. Well, then that would be a bad guy, a meta human bad guy, for example, going up against um, Krypton and so on. And it, would, um, it wouldn't be as three dimensional as it could be with someone like Lex Luper fa- character, if you know what I mean.
1: -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I do think you're right, Andy. That she does, Supergirl does share a lot of Superman's rogues, so it is kind of hard. I think it's up for debate. I mean, there is Silver Banshee. I think Brainiac might be a contender. There's a couple stories that have her going up against Brainiac. Uh, There's a good argument to be made, I think, for Granny Goodness and Darkseid and all those people on Apocalypse, the Female Fury. Oh, Granny didn't. But for me personally, from the stuff I've seen of her in the animation, like on uh, JLU, and I think some of the stories that we're going to read for season zero, I think her greatest enemy, I think, is some version of herself, like either a dark Supergirl or a Bizarro Supergirl, uh, something that sort of challenge challenges can't talk challenges <laughs> her emotionally. And I think that's kind of what you were talking about, about her maybe having, like, her own Lex Luthor. I think somebody who isn't just powerful strength-wise, physically, I think someone who challenges her emotionally and with her heart, I think is somebody who could really be a cool villain for her.
0: I think it's interesting that, that, yeah, like, currently in the comics and stuff, you can't really pin down one arch nemesis for her. But I think it's interesting because, you know, Superman and Batman, uh, you know, can both be jerks um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, in various ways. Supergirl's not a jerk. So maybe there's a reason why she doesn't have as many hardcore enemies as they do. Um, <laughs> and I'm only partially kidding. But um, <laughs> I think it's interesting, too, because she uh, – her role and and the thing that she seems to always do is to step in to help people. Mm-hmm. Um like she – so she helps people with their supervillains. So it, it's kind of interesting and makes a lot of sense if she doesn't have one of her own because she's helping people with theirs. But what I hope for the show, specifically the CBS show, is uh, – because we've, we've heard talk of this uh, – the commander that we've just heard about right. uh, being cast. And we know that Alex works for a super secret organization. Um, we know that that there's going to be a lot of, you know, looking into aliens on – the Current show, so I feel like, uh, as far as the, the show is concerned, they're setting up a, a nemesis for her in the form of an organization that maybe doesn't look too kindly upon
2: aliens. You're referring to the DEO, right? Yes, Department of Extra, um, Oper- Extra Normal Operations, whatever it was called.
0: Yeah, whatever their silly acronym is.
2: Um, uh- <laughs> <laughs> so she only- combed, like interventional division. <laughs>
0: I love the names they make up for, and that they reverse engineer for um, for comics and secret <laughs> organizations. Um, it's like, we want to call it S.H.I.E.L.D. What can that mean? <laughs>
2: uh- <laughs> the
0: longest word ever. But since we talked about this prequel comic for Man of Steel, I did want to get to um, this awesome uh, response that we got from, from Doc Awkward from manofsteelanswers.com. Uh, we asked him to send us his thoughts about Kara in this prequel comic. So take it away, Doc Ock. Tell us what you think.
3: I'm Dr. Awkward, your DC Cinematic Universe apologist. But you can call me Doc Ock, or Doc for short. I'm the host of Man of Steel Answers Insight Commentary, a podcast which answers the questions and criticisms about Man of Steel and the DC Cinematic Universe. You can find the podcast, blog, and video series at Man of Steel Answers com. I want to thank Rebecca and Teresa for inviting me onto their show to talk about Kara in the Man of Steel prequel comic. One of the most intriguing things about this comic is that we're shown only one ambiguous figure leave the ship alive. Why leave it ambiguous? Why not simply show us that it was Kara? And I think that our natural inclination towards optimism, and the crest of the House of L shown later in the Inuit tent, make us believe that Kara left the ship. But consider this. The fact is, the last time we saw Dev M, he only had a wounded hand, but was still alive. Kara was intensely focused on piloting the ship, and Dev M is a murderer. Then there's the fact that the person who left the ship left it alone. If Kara left the ship without taking care of Dev M, Dev M would still be alive to follow her. Of course, if Dev M murdered Kara, why would he wander away from the ship alone? He was perfectly fine living with the corpses for years. It seems like he'd stay with the creature comforts of the ship rather than wander into a snowstorm. Maybe. That said, that is why I think it is Kara. Unlike the psychopathic Dev M, the trauma of being on the ship with the body of her dead crew and the killer of her beloved would drive her from the ship never to return. But then we return to our previous question, how could Kara leave alone with Dev M alive and free? And I think we have our answer. Dev M may be the one willing to murder, but Kara has proven herself repeatedly to be the better fighter. And I think we also see why it was made ambiguous. I believe after the crash landing, Kara stopped Devem permanently. The prequel comic was published online for free only a few weeks before Man of Steel was released in theaters to promote the film. The ambiguity of the figure walking away from the ship was to prevent us from being signaled too soon that even the House of L sometimes has to stop the bad guy for good. What's more, having seen the film, we can deduce how Kara disposed of Dev. The comic makes it clear that the crew is composed of four. Engineer Dak Lin, Navigator Elsie Hopa, Officer Kex, and last but not least, Captain Kara zor The bodies of Kara's crew were all on the bridge when she encounters Dev M. So who was that in the hibernation pod that Clark discovers in the movie? I think it's Dev M., Remember, even after all this monster has done, Kara is still cool-headed. And she says, stay down DevM, I don't want to fight. And she seems quite proficient in martial arts. I don't think she's forced to kill DevM with her bare hands. Rather, she manages to knock M out if he hasn't already been knocked out by the crash. Then Kara places M into her still-functioning hibernation pod to keep him from pursuing her, and in the ensuing 18,000 years, he passes away inside the pot. Obviously, it's not clear-cut, but that's my theory on what went down and why. From the possibility that Kara survived, an entire world of possibilities of what Kara Zorel being on prehistoric Earth could mean. For all we know, Kara spread knowledge and enlightenment which led to humanity's first civilizations. Depending on where we look in the comics, she could even still potentially be alive to this day. Although I can't imagine what it would be like to live 18,000 years. That is a lot of time. In the end, I don't think I need an answer. I think a little mystery here is a good thing. It makes the world larger and more real, like the mysteries of Stonehenge or the pyramids. At least as presented in the prequel comic, so much of Kara's history is on Krypton, so it might be clunky to bring it to screen since the comics should never be required reading to enjoy the film. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing her further adventures as additional comics or animatics or movie shorts or some other way. This is a Kara with complete agency, and whose entire story is told without Superman's shadow. 18,000 years before Kal's birth, she lived her own life with her own hopes, dreams, and aspirations that didn't involve her cousin, his superheroics, or his adopted planet. Those aspirations included an exciting and serious commitment to being a galactic pioneer, adventurer, and explorer. This Kara is strong, assertive, and capable. The team follows her lead and her plan. She earns the planet's highest distinction, the Star of Rao, for her smarts and bravery. She outwits and outfights dev M, And she isn't stoic or repressed. She cries tears of joy. She loved Kel. And she loves her parents Zor-El and Alora, But is willing to never see them again in order to carry Krypton's hopes across the stars. And even when all seems lost, she doesn't lose her head. She defeats dev and even manages an emergency crash landing in the middle of fighting her boyfriend's killer. She never needs rescue. Kara is hyper-competent, has the right stuff, and totally exhibits the courage, emotional resilience, and flexibility which Krypton lost when it gave up on exploration and adopted artificial eugenic programming of their population. I feel like this means that her character is more or less complete, so there's less of an arc for her to travel, but she's one of the most driven portrayals of Kara right out of the gate. I want to thank Teresa and Rebecca. I love your show. I can't wait for the premiere on CBS. I'm totally excited for the new Supergirl. Every cast member that has been announced, I've seen in stuff that I loved because I watch way too much TV. I can't wait to watch the show with you guys and listen to your reactions. I'm Doc, and your listeners can find me and my podcast at manasteelanswers.com.
0: I really, really like Doc Ock's, uh, Dr. Awkward's take on... The Kara of this uh, prequel comic. I agree 100%. I love that she is someone who's not stoic. Um, she's not broody. She's not, um, but she's also not the naive, kind of wide eyed Kara that we've met in other incarnations either. She's very well developed and nuanced, as I, I said before, I think, too. Um, I did have an, uh, a, a question and an issue with because um, uh, he talks about her influencing humanity, um, or, or you know the possibility of her having influenced humanity since this the crash that happens on in the prequel comic happens what eighteen thousand years ago? What so, was it? Something like that, yeah. Some ridiculous it Feels, like, they, feels, like, je- they, feels it, like yesterday. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was it was a Tuesday, um, but like. <laughs> I was kind of unclear cuz like if she's uh, wasn't she frozen how is she still alive? Like that was the one thing where I was like, oh, I don't know how much interaction she would have with with us. But maybe she does. Maybe she's just sitting around in drum circles with people until they develop <laughs> technology and <laughs> kind of kind of waiting it out.
1: Well, but, w- um, what I kind of assume happens with Kara in my mind is that she crashes on Earth in the ship and maybe she is that mysterious figure in the comic who gets out and she kind of goes in the way of what happens to Clark is that he goes around the world helping people like Kara does in the comic without a cape. He just kind of goes around and... and is kind of, uh, is a is Vagabond the right word? Where he, he kind of goes around to different cities and he's sort of anonymous. He tries to keep it on the down low and he helps yeah. when he's needed. And I sort of would think that Kara is <laughs> like that, where she just kind of goes where she thinks that she can help and maybe she does influence uh, society with maybe the technological advances that she knows of, or maybe she tries to, uh, help with language or whatever it is. I, yeah. I think that's an interesting idea that maybe she came along and was like, hmm, they don't have any wheels here. Let me invent a wheel for somebody. Like, I wonder <laughs> if that is...
2: Let me you, fix everything that is wrong with this planet.
1: <laughs> you know, maybe she kind of pushes people in the right direction of inventions and technology. I think that's an interesting idea.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I, I just laughed... Very abruptly, but it just popped into my head. I was thinking of Pulp Fiction and uh, how Samuel L. Jackson's character says, you know, he's giving up being a hitman and he's going to like walk the earth and have adventures. What do you mean walk the earth? Walk the earth. <laughs> I <love> that. <laughs> and I just laughed because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to walk the earth. Um, anyway, but I, uh, uh, you two might know this better than me. Um, what is a Kry- Kryptonian lifespan?
1: Well, I think um, it. I think it differs in some incarnations, but I think for the most part, Superman is considered immortal. Would you agree mm-hmm. with so that, Andy? of the sun.
2: well, because um, I remember they talked. They they spoke a lot about this on Smallville, and I and I read up on this since then. That as long as he has a yellow sun, his Kryptonian cells will keep. You know, you know, he will have his power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So because isn't there a comic when this sun eventually dies and superman ends up dying as well at some point
1: Hmm. i'm sure I'm over the course of
2: 75 years yeah. of, you know, yeah. only 75 Many years decades, of, um, yeah. yeah no but I, as far as i know is that as long as there's a sun a yellow sun he is pretty much you can be alive as a kryptonian but uh, once you're under a red sun or if you're to if you're exposed exposure to kryptonite too long you can probably you will probably die
1: I think that's probably right yeah. So I think she could have lived for 18,000 20,000 years wow know, and look the same that But you know what's crazy. kind of fascinating
2: with that is that even though she will look super young her mind will be so fascinating to follow because she's not going to be thinking like a 21-year-old woman she will be thinking like an old wise woman in a young woman's body you Mm -hmm, know and that's kind of something i kind of want to see now Uh, you know even though i don't like the separation between the shows and the films in the cinematic universe i kind of like that approach if they would go with that for her that she is this older wiser woman not just her superman's older cousin but very like very older cousin
0: yeah well it's funny not to get too you know too sci-fi about this but i'm a huge doctor who fan and i can't love Doctor Who. Yeah, I can't help but think of do- of the doctor and how he can regenerate, and you know, so it's it's the wisdom of like two thousand years of being alive in this person who looks you know like a normal person, and uh, it's interesting to to watch actors take that on and to try to capture that wisdom while also still being an explorer and being excited by new things. It's a very it's a huge challenge. So if uh, I think that would be amazing to watch if they decided to to kind of go that route, even just a little bit, because even if the show doesn't follow the the prequel comic, you know, she's still, I guess, supposed to be his older cousin. So however they retell that story, she'll still be much older than she looks.
1: That's a good point, Teresa. Uh, what? How will they address... Uh, how, will, how will the CBS show address Kara's relationship to Superman and will she think that she's smarter than him or has more wisdom than him just because maybe she will be older on the CBS show. Yeah. And,
2: and you know what because it's Greg Berlant and Andrew Kreisberg as well as Jeff Johns who are you know they're all, well Jeff Johns he is the legend of of DC comics right now and Andrew Kreisberg he's been writing comic books for you know he wrote the Green Arrow, Black and Air comics and he's a huge DC Comics fan I'm pretty sure that they will adapt some form of that where he is where Supergirl is older than Superman and all then and they will address that in some form of capacity so I, I, I will say this that if you're if you're a Superman fan and you want to see some classic aspects to the Supergirl Superman relationship I'm pretty sure she's going to be older than him not look wise but mentally perhaps.
0: I just wanted to say thank you so much to Dr. Awkward from manofsteelanswers.com for that great uh, comment. We really, really liked what you had to say, and thank you so much for contributing.
1: One of my favorite podcasts, so I highly recommend him. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Follow us on Twitter at Supergirl Radio and check out our exclusive pictures over on Instagram.com/supergirlradio. We are also available on iTunes and Stitcher, and if you have time, we encourage you to rate and review us on iTunes. And thank you so much to the people who already have. We love you.
2: You can also review on Stitcher Radio. I always, I always forget that you can actually review on Stitcher too. So if you're, if you're a Stitcher user, you should definitely, you know give the show some couple of reviews as well on stitcher
1: definitely andy where can people find you and the flash podcast on the internet
2: well they can find us uh, i mean they can find me on the flash podcast.com and you know we're all over the internet with the facebook twitter and instagram all under the flash podcast just like uh, SuperCool radio we're also on itunes and stitcher radio so um yeah if you're a fan of cw's the flash you know come and join us in the speed force and you know we we may not run but we do talk about a running man so you know join us every week as the show airs and you know i i just wanted to you know before you know we sign up i you know just to tell you guys on air as you know you guys have done such a great job and you know doing this show not just only as you know a spin off from you know flash but you know as a fantastic terrific podcast that is so educational and so it feels like a conversation every week and I it, it's such a blast to listen to you know even though I know you guys I'm always looking forward every Tuesday um, afternoon to just get to download the latest episode and be like what am what will I get to learn today and so on so I you guys are doing a fantastic job and you know seeing all the people that's been so supportive to you guys and seeing people really lo- lo- loving learning about Supergirl you know praise to both of you and like i wait, let me get off my chair and I'm going to kneel in front of you. So, and I, you, you are doing a great job and I you know, congrats on the success and, you know, keep up the good job. And I'm look forward to listening to more episodes. So, um,
1: well, thanks a lot. That's, that's awesome.
0: That is really cool to hear. Thank you so much. And, and we have gotten a lot of love. Um, so thank you, Andy, for, for being the glue that holds us together. And thank you to everybody who's listening, uh, who's been enjoying us. As for me, um, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Teresa Giacino. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. Um, that is where that is my handle on Patreon, and uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook dot slash Teresa Giacino Experience. But the biggest news uh, that I actually have uh, to announce today. Um, Drum roll. <laughs> <Drum roll. laughs> you can also uh now find me online at The Mary Sue. I've recently accepted a position as one of their assistant editors. So, I am starting that today, very excited. And uh, you know, I love the site. It's it's one of the premier geek sites uh from a feminist uh from a feminist and female perspective. So I'm very excited. So definitely check me out over at TheMarySue.com. dot
1: com. That's awesome! Congratulations. Sound, Thank sounds you very like much. a perfect fit. I think. Yeah. C- yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at derbykid. And if you do, I and and if you like, if you like Man of Steel, you will love my Twitter because I tweet about that stuff all the time. The, the DC <laughs> Cinematic Universe, she, Man of she Steel. She does. Uh, it's it's probably a little borderline obsessive. But if you like that, you'll love my tweets. So follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And if you're interested in watching any of the videos that I shoot and edit on my YouTube channel, you can find me at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod, D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And join
0: us next week when we'll be discussing the Superman, Batman, Volume 2, Supergirl.
1: Well, till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson, and I'm still Teresa Giacino, and we hope your sunstone is full of happy
0: memories.